0: So let's start reading in 1 John, and I want to read beginning with verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and tonight I'll read from the New King James Version, because that's what I happen to have here. This is the message which we have heard from Him, and declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So when, when you're talking about God, you're talking about absolute light. Absolute light means... No darkness mixed in with it whatsoever. And if we say that we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's very important because some of the things that I'm going to say tonight as you and I have to combat the voice of the enemy. And oftentimes you want to remember that the voice of the enemy will speak the loudest through the actions of other people. I want to say that again. As you and I have to combat the voice of the enemy in our lives because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and none of us are what we are supposed to be yet in Jesus, we're all in a process. We're all getting to the place, so to speak. And so as we We hear the lies of the enemy that says you failed over here, you blew it over here, you missed the mark over here, you sinned, and God's done with you. And of course we know that that's not true, and so we have to combat that. Sadly, all too often, in the climate that we live in today, the voice of the enemy comes through the actions of other people. And we have to deal with that. It's not something that's a will of a wisp that we can put it out of our mind because we have to deal with these people sometimes on a daily basis. And there's their voice of accusation. There's their voice of bitterness. There's their voice of frustration, and we're faced with it, and what are we going to do? And how do we combat that within ourselves? to not let us get discouraged and overwhelmed by discouragement as we attempt to do what God has put in our hearts to do and to live the way that He wants us to live. But see, before we can combat this, we have to settle one thing from the very beginning. Do we intend to put sin away from us, or are we trying to walk in sin and still get by with it and be used of God? Because I just read to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with Him, but yet we walk in the darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to see there something that's very important. And I'm not going to speak very long, just a few minutes here uh, before we go into some music and some more announcements. But I want you to see this. It's the person who's walking in the light and fellowshipping with God that the blood cleanses. It's not the person who thinks they can have a, a sin and engage in it, whatever that sin might be. Whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, drugs, maybe it's telling people off. Maybe it's uh, aspirations, uh, selfish ambition in one's life. None of that can be going on and thinking that it's okay. Now, from time to time, every single one of us will commit sin, but we know it's wrong. That's walking in the light. When you walk in the light, like the little segment that I did earlier tonight that we played called The Moth and the Cockroach. I played that for a reason, you see. When, when, when we are walking in the light as He is in the light, it shows up our foibles. You know, some people act like they're all shocked when they see that Christians have problems. And they act all shocked when they see that Christians have some sin. But You shouldn't be shocked because if you're walking in the light and they are walking in the light, the light's going to show it. Because what does light do? Light illuminates. Light reaches into the dark crevices and dark corners and it exposes the darkness. And, and stop acting like Well, if they're really Christians, they shouldn't have any sin. Well, no, we shouldn't. But not only are we Christians, we are also living in the flesh. And we do have to battle with the sin nature. Now, none of that means that we can't and shouldn't and won't have victory. But what I'm telling you is, some of you need to cool your jets. Because you get all up at other people And you literally become the voice of the enemy in their hearing, in their ear. Alright? Now watch this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. Alright? So there's none of this. We're not walking in the light if we're holding grudges against people. Let me just be blunt and plain and honest about it. We pretend that we're walking in the light. We know when to say amen and hallelujah. And we know how to memorize verses from the Bible. And we know how to sound all spiritual. And we might even know how to tell other people what they should do relative to spirituality. But we are not walking in the light if we can't forgive. If we're holding that grudge, if we're holding that bitterness... Because if we're walking in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and then the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. So it's when we're in the light. In other words, God is not doing any cleansing if you're hiding out in the dark corner. It's when you come clean. It's when you repent. It's when you stand up and say, you know what? hell or high water, I love God and I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. I am going to walk in the light. You're going to see all that's wrong with me. Oh boy. But nevertheless, I'm not going to listen to your voice. I'm going to follow God's voice. And now the blood is just cleansing us from those sins that we have been involved in. Then he goes on to say, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You follow? If we say that we don't have a sin nature, if we try to act like because we know Jesus we're perfect, if we try to portray That we don't have struggles and foibles just like uh, anybody else does. And we deny the sin nature. Then we can't have victory over it. It's like this. If you're in a dark corner and you're not walking in the light. You can never receive forgiveness for what you won't confess. Until you come right out and say you know what. I've got a problem with, and then you just name it. Now, you don't have to go broadcast it to the whole world. But you have to tell it to God, and you have to be honest with yourself. And it doesn't hurt to have people in your life that will hold you accountable, that you can confess to, and that they will handle it correctly and not blab it all over town. I'm talking about mature Christians now. I'm not talking about Christians with milk on their mustache just getting out of kindergarten. I'm talking about Christians that know how to handle these things. And that's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, If a brother has been overtaken in a fault, or a sister overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual restore that person. So that right there tells you you don't go telling everybody what your problem is, but it doesn't hurt to have people in your life that you can confide in that will handle it correctly, that will pray with you, and that will get you through it and get you to a place where you're serving Jesus. And the reason that we challenge these issues, the reason that I took the stand that I had to take the end of 2016 and all through 2017, and even to an extent here in 2018, the reason I've had to take some of these stands with people who were trying to fool me is because God has a plan for your life, but if you don't repent of your sin, God can't use your life. Not like He would use it if you did repent I've learned a few things over the years I didn't just fall off a turnip truck yesterday and I've learned that you can buffalo your way through just about anything you can fake it till you make it until you can't until you can't any longer and that day will come that will happen to you if you don't turn loose of those things that God puts His finger on in your life and live for Jesus. So with that in mind, let me say it another way before we move into the body of this teaching in another verse that I'm going to read. Let me say it this way. <clears throat> and if, if, if you study the Word of God, you will recognize the truth of this statement instantly. Every true, real Christian loves God, loves Jesus Christ. Every true and real Christian hates sin and doesn't want to do it. Now in that process, there are times when the person's flesh deceives them and they think they want to do it. Or there are times when a person will be blindsided and not understand the ramifications of the seemingly harmless little sin that they're involved with. And as soon as they are dealt with by the Holy Spirit, then they see it and they repent. Okay? Every true Christian loves God and hates sin, period. And if you've got people that say they love God and profess their love for God... Just like I was telling you about how so many profess their love for this ministry. But then their actions betray the truth. And if they're engaged in sin, and trying to cover it up, or acting as if it's no big deal, and making a joke about it, and laughing about it, and all of these things, then there's something wrong with their spiritual walk. Because one thing you can know, a true Christian loves God, and a true Christian hates sin. Now with that in mind, we can apply the rest of this message. Because even though we love God, and we hate sin, there's times in our lives when we blow it. There's times in our lives when we say something we shouldn't have said, There's times in our lives we find ourselves angry with someone and we shouldn't be. There's times in our lives where we talk about people and we shouldn't have. There's times in our lives when we will do things and we know it's wrong and instantly our heart is broken and we run to the cross and we plead the blood to get forgiveness for what we have done. And that happens even if you're a Christian. And there are Christians who are involved in bondages They are saved, but they are hooked. And those bondages can be broken, but only if you're honest. And only, see the word confession. Let's read the the ninth verse. If we confess our sins. Okay? The word confess means to say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin. Now, if we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. But if we don't confess it as sin, then the blood is not free to do its cleansing work. And we allow, we actually give the devil ground in our lives. To cause us, now this is where some people are going to disagree with me, I can prove it to you by the word, but I don't have time to go there tonight, but just listen. If we won't confess it as sin, or if we try to cover it up, we're going to give Satan an open door into our life to cause us against our will to sin. You say, well, that's not possible. Satan can't override our will. Not if the blood is active in our life. He cannot. If the blood is cleansing and the blood is doing its work because we're walking in the light as He is in the light, we are having fellowship with one another. Hallelujah. We read it to you. If we're calling sin what God calls sin, then Satan can't force us. But Satan can force you Look at the Apostle Paul, I'll just tell you this, you can look it up on your own uh, for tonight, I might teach on it another night, but in the 7th chapter of the book of Romans, Paul said, I don't understand this, the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. Why? Because Paul was trying to fight his sin in a way other than the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing and doing its work in his life. He was using the law to try to fight sin, or he was using uh, the Ten Commandments to try to fight sin. You know, the Ten Commandments define sin, but they're not a weapon to fight sin. What fights sin and defeated it once and for all was the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when that blood is working in us, then we are free to not sin. But if the blood's not working on our behalf, Satan can force us to do a whole lot of stuff that we wouldn't otherwise do. And you know, when you're a kid, your parents tell you, if you had good parents, they'll tell you that the reason lying is so bad is because you tell that lie, and then you've got to tell another one to cover it up, and then you've got to tell another one to cover those two up, and, you have to, and so on and so forth, and it escalates. And that's the way that sin is in the heart of a believer. If you don't confess your sin, that say the same thing about it that God said, then Satan will take advantage of that and he will override your will in some cases and put you in positions that you don't know how to get out of. And you won't get out of them short of, a, of an intervention by Almighty God. Now that's not a license or an excuse to keep sinning. Well, I couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. No, no. You did it because you opened the door. If you open the door to the stray dog, evil, dirty devil, he's going to come inside your house. That's what he does. And you can blame him all you want. Well, that dog came in my house and slung mud all over my walls. You can blame him all you want to, but you opened the door, dummy. You let him in. So when I sin as a Christian, it's my fault. But the object of this is not whose fault it is. The object is, do I recognize it as sin? Do I confess it as sin? And do I step into the light? Or am I going to be like so many today and retreat into the shadows and hide and cover up and nurture what God wants to destroy in my life? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now that almost seems to be like, man, we're just encouraging people to sin, but that's not the case at all. We're encouraging people to be honest before God. And don't try to be perfect and present a perfect picture to people when all along you've got all these things that are hidden. Be honest about where you are in your walk with God right now and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from your sin and then you'll start to grow in faith. And some of those things that have been bothering you for years and years and years will automatically just fall off of you by the power of God. So we're talking to people in the balance of this message tonight, We're we're not talking to people who want to sin and try to get by with it. We are talking to people who are Christians, they love God, but they find themselves, they were caught in a sin, or they stumbled into a sin, but most of the time people don't stumble into sin, they dive in head first, but anyway, they sinned, and they failed God, and they're heartbroken, and they say, now What? Can God still use me? Can God use me after what I did? Does God still have a plan for my life? Let me tell you something about this. And then we're going to really look at 1 John 1 and 9 a little bit more. But let me tell you something about this. There are times, I'm going to be honest with you, that's a good thing to be in church, right? This is is church of the air. I guess that it's a good thing to be honest. It's a good thing to have your Bible, right? There are times in our lives, because of mistakes that we've made and because of sins that we committed, that the original plan that God had for us has to be modified. I guess I don't know any better way to say it than that right there. We would like to think, and in a romantic world, we would think, oh, it doesn't matter, and God just wipes it all away, and that original plan will still come to pass. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes God chooses to will a change in my life because of sins that I committed that had put me out of touch with the Holy Spirit for a season and I can't quite attain that what I could. See, sin is not cheap. And every time that you fall, let's just be honest, every time you fall into a sinful lifestyle and you don't repent of it quickly and you fall into sin, it, that's not a cheap thing. That does, that's not just some meaningless little something that has no consequences. There are times when God cannot use you like He originally intended because he's had to change the, his, his will. He doesn't change his will. He wills a change in your life because of the position you put him in. Now, you've got to let that sink in. But that does not mean that God can't use you. And it does not mean that God does not have a plan for your life because he does. There's no doubt, I have no doubt about it standing here right now. And I'm not going to tell you it's nobody's business but mine and the Lord's. But years ago in my early days as a Christian, I have no doubt that if I would have acknowledged things quicker, I'd be in a different place spiritually even than where I'm at today. And God's using this ministry to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But I'm just saying that there are consequences. Sin is not cheap. But here's the good news. God still has a plan for your life. And who's to say that God can't get you back up to where you would have been had you walked with Him all along the way? That can happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen. That's where you've got to realize who you are serving. You're not serving yourself. You're serving the kingdom of God. And so whatever He allows you to do, you do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord, and you do it in obedience to His word. Whatever He allows you to do. Let me say that really quickly one more time. There are some cases, and I'm not even going to try to draw illustrations because you could waste a whole lot of time in a message doing that, but there are some cases where God has to modify His original intent. All along though, you see, because He's got your character in His heart and in His mind more than your calling. He'll use you all He can provided that whatever He gives you to do you do it with all of your heart with all of your might and with all of your strength as unto the Lord. And who's to say that He can't get you to where He originally intended you to be? Because He can do it, buddy. He can do it. So can God use me? I'm a Christian I have failed the Lord. I have gotten out of God's will. I have sinned and I'm imperfect. Can God still use me? I'll go back to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now let's look at that. Here's here's what we have to realize and understand about forgiveness of sins. It doesn't take away the consequence of what we've done. Very seldom. Sometimes, perhaps it does, but very seldom. The consequence is there. It's, it's done. It's there. But what God does is He washes it away to where He doesn't bring it up to you, and you don't have to keep bringing it up to Him. And when He looks at you, He looks at you as if you'd never sinned. So, again, that doesn't do away with the consequence, but what it can do is it can speed you along that restoration road that you need to be on to get into that place where God wants you to be. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ, God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Through Him, God enables you to do everything He asks, making your possibilities for service unto the Lord limitless. I want to ask you this question. Are you right now sitting on the sidelines because you've let sin and shame discourage you? Do you feel like God can't use you because you're a broken vessel? Don't let your feelings overshadow the truth. The truth is God loves broken vessels. The truth is God can only use the broken. The truth is that God can only use those who see the severity of their sin. God is big enough to forgive you, to restore you, and to use you to restore others. That's what first John 1 and 9 tells us. <clears throat> that should be a, a message that we carry to everybody that we meet. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say anything there in there about at all talking real sweet about sin in the hopes that you'll get many more people in your church. doesn't say that at all. Tell the truth about sin. Tell the truth in love, but tell the truth because if you can get people to turn from their sin, God can restore them and God can use their life in His kingdom in this generation. Once you have confessed and turned from your sins, you are cleansed. But God doesn't just purify you and empower you with His Holy Spirit so that you look and feel real good about yourself. God's purification fulfills the Scripture that will equip you for service. So I want you to think about that. I've often said God doesn't baptize you in the Holy Ghost to make you look pretty. He doesn't forgive you of your sin just so you'll have peace about it in your heart. That's important, but He wants to put you out in service. Being an agent of reconciliation with the ministry of reconciliation. You see, that's what a lot of people fail to understand that say we want to have a ministry in the body of Christ. But the ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Telling the world that God's not mad at you any longer. If you will repent of your sins, He will receive you and wash you in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we're restoring people to the intent that God had for their lives. (coughs) The question isn't, do I have the power? I want you to let that sink in. The question is not, do I have the power? The question is, what am I going to do with that power? How will I use that power? Once you're asking the right question, consider uh, some things before you answer it or while you're answering it, the conviction of inadequacy. That's more than merely feeling like God can't use you if you walk in the flesh. It's not simply knowing that God alone is sovereign. It's knowing and acknowledging that without the Holy Spirit, you are incapable, unwilling, and too weak to do what God asks you to do. There's a doctrine in the church today <clears throat> called the total depravity of man. And I, I believe in that doctrine, by the way. That's the only one of the two points that I agree with, is the first one. The total depravity of man. It basically means that man is so fallen that he cannot reach out to God on his own. Doesn't mean that man is as bad as he could be. See, when we use the terminology totally depraved, you think of an Adolf Hitler, you think of a Charles Manson, you think of a Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan, but uh, total depravity doesn't mean that I'm as bad as I could be. It just means that in my flesh, in my unregenerate nature, I am unable to reach out to God God must reach out for me. And so I personally believe that God instigates every single salvation. God instigates every single work thereafter in the heart and life of His child. God does the instigating and we respond. We respond, either we cooperate with the Holy Spirit or we resist the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we are incapable, we are unwilling, and we are too weak to do what He asks us to do. Next we come to purity of life. But don't confuse purity with perfection. Purity for the Christian is simply this. Continual Immediate confession of and repentance from sin. And then the second part of that, what does the scripture say? Repentance of sin and faith toward God through Jesus Christ. That's purity. So don't get that confused with perfection. Because that will discourage you. It really will. If you think, well, I've got to be perfect before God can use me. No, I have to be pure. And what, how do I, what is purity? When, I, when the Holy Spirit points out something in my life that I'm doing that displeases the Lord, I, rep- I confess it and I repent of it. And God washes it away. Praise God. Next we come to prayer. When you willingly and genuinely acknowledge your inadequacy, you will consistently reach up to God through prayer. This is why God wants a humble people. This is why God is not like Santa Claus. This is why God just doesn't give us everything we want when we confess it 32 times. He doesn't do that. He won't do that. He never has done that because He wants us to continually reach up to Him in prayer. He doesn't want us to be sufficient in ourselves. And so sometimes He lets us fall short. Have you ever asked yourself a question, Well, I'm a Christian now, and I was thinking about doing that sin. Why didn't God stop me? Because He's not going to stop you. Because the problem isn't necessarily the thing you did, the problem is the heart you have. And that heart is a heart that's saying, I've got this, I'm good, I'm okay. So, if I, if I wanted to do this thing, then why didn't God just stop me? It doesn't work that way. God wants, He let you fall on your face so you could see how bad your heart is. That happens. Well, I don't want to hear preaching like that. I want to hear that feel-good preaching. Yeah, I know. And that's why we've got a church full of Christians that are involved in every single mess that the world is involved in today because their natures haven't been changed because if you don't confess and repent of sin you are not born again now you better you better listen to me prayer you you have to come to know that God is your lifeline and that you can't live without him and that you've got to have Him. And if you'll stay in an attitude like that, you will sin a lot less. I'll tell you that for sure. And God will be able to use you a whole lot more. Next we come to belief. These are things that we can do when the enemy is trying to assault us with you're too bad for God to use, you're, you're imperfect, you don't measure up, etc., etc. We can talk about the conviction of our inadequacy, Somebody said, I'll agree with the devil, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. But in Christ I am worthy, in Christ I am good enough, in Christ I am cleansed, hallelujah. And so we can preach a sermon about in Christ. Secondly, purity of life. Again, not confusing purity with perfection, but understanding that confession and repentance from sin keeps me pure. Next, we've come to prayer. He's my lifeline. I've got to have him. I've got to reach up toward him. I've got to call out upon him. Then we come to belief. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. When you ask according to God's will, he answers. And you must believe that he will do what he says. He will do. If you ask Him to cleanse you, do you understand that it's God's will to cleanse you from sin? Then when you ask Him to do it, you have to believe that He has done it. And no, it don't matter what Satan says to you. Satan has never told the truth about anything. It doesn't matter what your friends or your family says about you. They don't know nothing anyhow. What matters is what does the book say? What does the Word of God say? What does the blood say? There's a song that says, the blood has given a better word. And that word is forgiveness. And that word is reconciliation. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That word is restoration. It comes through the blood. And finally, to combat the lies of the enemy that are coming against your mind and your life, engage yourself in Christian service. God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit. Use it. God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit and He wants you to be eager to use it. And if you get slapped down a couple of times, don't stay laying there. Get up, begin to praise in the Lord, and use it again. And as we engage in service, we walk out of the range of the lies of the enemy. So when the enemy's lying to you, whether he's lying to you that little thing in your spirit and in your mind that Satan's trying to penetrate with his lies about how no good you are and how unworthy you are and all of that, or whether he's using other people to spread his lies in your life, whatever the case might be, you walked out of the range of it. How? By engaging yourself in service, by living a life of purity, by prayer, by belief, and by your own conviction of your inadequacy. What that is designed to do is to drive you to God. And you walk out of the range of the lies of the enemy. Whether it's for ministry from one person to another or to many people. The power of God's Holy Spirit changes lives. God was big enough to transform your heart and to save you from bondage to sin. He's also big enough to cleanse you and to help you rise above discouragement and use you to influence the lives of others. In other words, if God could save you from all of that sin that Satan's trying to drag up again you, if God's big enough to cleanse you from that, He's big enough to help you gain victory over discouragement in your life. And what you don't want to do is hobble on discouragement like a crutch because it can become one. You know, it's just, just as bad as hearing the person say, well, I'm great and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Just as bad... Is hearing a person who's saying, oh, I'm such a no good, I'm such a loser, God could never use me, blah, 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 blah. Now those feelings are real, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness, and He'll lift us up out of discouragement and use our lives if we will put our lives completely in His hands. Completely in his hand, I love as I close here, I love what Pastor Carter said in that little in his segment tonight I'm going to challenge you on your sin I'm coming after your sin I'm coming after these attitudes that are in your heart and life why? because I want to be mean no, because God has a great plan for your life and he wants to use you as a light in this darkened world and he can only do that when we leave that sin laying at the foot of the cross, and we walk out cleansed and washed and whole and pure by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you today, as we go on into the rest of this program, I encourage you today to lay that sin down at Jesus' feet and let God cleanse your life. This could be the start of a brand new adventure of life for you as you're finally free from the negative talk and influences of the devil and of other people and of friends and of relatives and all of these things that have said all this kind of crazy stuff to you because of the sin you committed in your life, but you can walk out free. Their words might still be there, but they're going to fall down to the ground as you walk in the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. So lay that sin at Jesus' feet. He'll save you and He'll cleanse you and He'll restore you to a great plan for your life. And that plan, I say great plan, you might not Do these mammoth gargantuan things that all the world can see. But God will help you to raise those children. God will help you to work that job. God will help you to minister to that neighbor. God will help you to pastor that church. God will help you to do that ministry and do that evangelism, whatever the case might be. Whatever you're involved in today as a life purpose, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to get it done. It doesn't matter if it's the President of the United States or if it's the pastor of a 12-person church out in the middle of the stick somewhere. You need the same anointing of the Holy Ghost and it only comes through the blood and through the Word and through the church and through walking in purity before God. He wants to cleanse your heart today. Lay it down, friend. Lay your sin down, lay your shame down, lay your discouragement down and walk out a new person in Jesus Christ.